0: All right, Mark chapter number 8. We're just going to read a few verses here, uh, starting verse number 10. Mark chapter number 8 and verse number 10. And straightway he entered into the ship with his disciples and came into parts of Delmahutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall be no sign given unto this generation. And he left them, entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time you've given to us. And Lord, I pray you indwell and, and in me, Lord, I, uh, your spirit to preach a message to these dear folks. And Lord, we live in a time where people are looking for signs. And Lord, help us to show them the truth, you. And Lord, I pray you just encourage our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. A truck driver was taking his load to a brand new destination. And he was very fixated upon the right exit sign to make sure he got off the highway at the right place. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you, not necessarily driving a uh, transport truck, but you're really fixated on the, the, the number of the exit. That's what you were given. If you missed that exit, you're in big trouble. Well, he was really fixated upon that exit number, and he neglected to see the sign telling him, warning him that there was a low overpass coming. Well, to his astonishment and probably shock, when he hit that overpass or underpass, he didn't go any further. He became totally stuck. And traffic back continued to back up. You know, temper started to flare up. And the police showed up. The wreckers came. And all the efforts to free the truck began. They tried towing and winching and pulleys and anything you could anyone could suggest, they tried. Nothing worked. The hours passed. The truck remained stuck just as it was the moment he tried to go through there. And and you know when that kind of thing happens that there's always a crowd that shows up. You notice that whenever there's calamity, people show up. You know, when someone wipes out, people come around and they laugh or look at it and whatever the case, and this is no different. And this little boy comes riding on his bicycle across that overpass and he looks down and, I mean, a little boy, I mean, tr- big trucks and fire trucks and, I mean, it's a, quite the scene. And he's looking down and, uh, and he's watching this all unfold and there's a policeman not too far away and the little boy, hey policeman! I know how to move the truck! Now if you were the policeman, what would you do? You wouldn't even look up, right? He's like, that little kid, he doesn't know anything. And the policeman just ignored him. But have you noticed, when kids really want to tell you something, they're not too easily dissuaded, are they? Hey, policeman, I know how to move that truck! Did it again and again, and finally, people were starting to notice, and the police officer was starting to get embarrassed. He's like, what? How do I move this truck? He said, let the air out of the tires! Well, I didn't have any other suggestions. So let the air out of the tires, and lo and behold, the truck moved. Now, I don't know if that tale is true. But it does bring to the mind that sometimes we overlook the obvious. And sometimes we, we look at, we overlook the obvious that's staring us right in the face. And second of all, wise people learn to pay attention to all the signs. Look at things. Signs are important in our physical world, aren't they? Aren't you glad for the sign on the poison, the skull and the crossbow, or crossbones there? I mean, you're glad for that. You don't want to pull that out and start drinking it. You know, and I'm glad for road signs on the road. I mean, sometimes I don't like the suggested speed, they say, but I'm glad it's there. I can remember times when I have not heeded those signs. I remember this one time. I was dropping off a friend to the uh, port of basque uh, North Sydney run, uh, the ferry there, Marine Atlantic. And it's where we were living in Deer Lake was like two hours and 20 minutes, one way to drop him off. And I, I was in a bit of a hurry to get home. So I dropped him off. And when you first get off the ferry there, there's actually four lanes. It's about one of the few places in the West Coast, Newfoundland. You'll find four lanes, two going, two going, Okay. And I thought, well, I mean, immediately my mind goes back to the days I lived in Ontario, and that's the 401. I'm doing a buck 20 up that road. Well, I wasn't doing 120. I was doing 110. I was flying up that road. I was like, man, I'm going to make good time. And, and, you know, I passed this little S10 pickup truck, and it felt like I passed him like he wasn't even moving. You ever had these moments you're thinking, like, that's not quite right? Especially at that moment when I saw some flashing lights behind me. So I mean, that is definitely not right. And I pulled over and I honestly did not know that I was doing a hundred and, well, I do know I was doing a hundred and ten. I didn't know that. But I did not know it was a seventy zone. Yeah, that's about how I felt too. When the mounty wraps on my window. I said, what can I do for you today? You know how fast you're going? Yeah, I was doing about 110. I Admitted my sin. And he said, this is a 70 zone. And I was praying for mercy. And he was very merciful. He did not give me, imagine, a 40 over 40. Oh, man, it would have been a big ticket. But he was very merciful. I never speed through that area ever again. Okay? When I got off the ferry this summer, I was doing 71. That was as fast as I was going in that area. You know, we need to watch for signs in the physical world. We see that, and it's very valuable for the purpose of life. So signs in the physical realm are important, but signs in the spiritual realm are even more important. And we get, if we miss a sign or two in the physical world, you know, you know, I'll be honest, I've never truly been lost. Right, men? We just missed the sign. That's all. We've never been lost. But, you know, we might miss a few signs and get a little bit off track. And for the most part, it's pretty easy to adjust. You might lose some time and things of that nature. But in the spiritual realm, if we miss signs in our Christian life, we're going to get in a whole lot of trouble quick. And if we don't know Jesus as our Savior, oh, my, missing those signs ends us up in a place called hell. Eternally separated from Jesus Christ. And this passage tells about a group of people who missed all the signs. They missed them all. We see in verse 11 a, a rigid order. To, uh, Jesus had just finished one of the greatest miracles of his ministry. He took the seven small loaves of bread and the few fishes, fed 4,000 people. When the meal was over, the disciples collected it up, seven baskets full. And then Jesus and his men immediately leave by ship uh, in verse 10 and go to another part of Israel. And as soon as they arrive there, they're met by the Pharisees, verse number 11. And these are the religious crowds of their day. Extremely legalistic. I mean, extremely. And they, besides their legalism, they did not like Jesus. Now, I would go sort of far and say, I can't speak for all of them, but a lot of them hated them. They had no time for Jesus. And he, because he refused to do the way that they said it should be done. When Jesus arrived in their neck of the woods, they came out to meet him. And they didn't come out to meet him, uh, you know, like at the airport where you see people greeting each other or hugging each other and they're happy and there are some people crying and, uh, and you know, it's just a lot of emotion. Happy emotion? I don't know. They weren't coming out to meet Jesus like that. They began to question with him. And this... Word question means dispute or argue. And and the word of the tense there, it means they would not be quiet. It was continual. And I could almost see Jesus getting out of the boat, and the Pharisees are there, and then they blah 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 blah. They wouldn't stop. They wouldn't stop. And what we're told they were trying to get Jesus to do, they they wanted him to show them a sign from heaven sign from heaven. And the, they say they were tempting him. That they were putting him to the test. They're trying to get Jesus to prove his authority and his source of power. You know, after all, these Pharisees had Scripture that talked about other men of God who'd done something similar in the past, a sign from heaven. Joshua was one who commanded the sun to be still, and it was still. And the Israelites, with Joshua leading, had a great victory. Uh, Samuel prayed during a battle with the Philistines, and the Lord answered with a strong, loud thunder and confounded their enemies, and the Philistines were destroyed. I think another one, another one was uh, Elijah, prayed for rain not to come. didn't come for three years. He prayed again, and it rained, and he called down fire from heaven upon an altar that was soaking wet with water, and God consumed it. I mean, that was signs from heaven, wasn't it? That's what it was. And these men were really trying to do what was, get Jesus to promise something more than he could deliver. Really nice people, right? I mean, come on. Don't you, wouldn't you like to be around people like that? Who are trying to tempt you? Trying to shame you? That's what these guys are trying to do to Jesus. They're trying to get him to attempt a miracle so he would fail and then they would say, you're a false prophet! Talk about some serious heart problems, don't you think? Heart problems, and they were saying all these things uh, about Jesus, but he had done so much, he, and they were saying it's not sufficient what you've done to be Messiah. We want to see more. Now let's just stop and consider some of the miracles that they have already witnessed. If they had not seen, they had definitely heard reports of, and people to verify it. He had Jesus had healed the sick, the lame, the leper, lepers. He had healed the blind man and blind men. He he had done all kinds of miraculous healings. He had raised the dead. Raised the dead. That's amazing. It's amazing that He healed the sick. That is truly amazing. But He rose the dead to life again. And and now there's people who were delivered from demons. I think of the maniac of Kedera who was... Possessed by a legion, and now he's preaching and telling others about Jesus. Another wonderful miracle. He walked on water. He calmed the storms. And twice, he had multiplied a meager amount of food and fed thousands of people. Jesus had opened the Word, preached it clearly, made known the meaning of the Scriptures to all that would hear, and people were talking about that. They never saw it in this fashion. In Mark chapter 2 verse 12 it says, and in Mark chapter 7 verse 37 it says, He had done all things well. But that wasn't enough for the Pharisees. They, 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 they were the stubbornest skeptics that you would ever meet. The problem was, they did not want to believe Jesus. That was the problem. They did not want Him to be the Messiah. They refused to bow to Him as Savior. And we still have Pharisees today. We still have people who demand to see something sensational before they'll commit to follow Jesus. You know, people thrive on the sensational. That's why YouTube videos and all these other things are always gathering more and more attention because people love the sensational. They love that. Even if it means that you might die in the process. They don't care. We just want to see it happen. And in the spiritual realm, there's all kinds of preachers out there proclaiming the sensational. There's all kinds of guys like Benny Hinn out there preaching sensationalism. And it's just not his hair that attracts the people. You know, it's just not... They're charisma. They're talking about sensationalism. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. You know, they're loud and boisterous and charismatic. And, you know, they're promising things that they can never do. And far too many people are waiting on a supernatural event to prove the existence of Jesus. They're God. The fact is, God has already proven he exists. Amen. He proven that. While the world is looking for a sign, God tells us that he's visible in the ordinary things of this world. Things that we take for granted day after day are the very things that prove that God's real. Let me show you a couple of things. Let me read you some verses here in Psalm 19. I'll read you verses here. Psalm 19, verse number 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. God tells us that uh, the heavens above tell us about him. Now, I found some of the things out online this week about the heavens, and I'm not a great... Uh, viewer of the stars or anything of that nature. But I found these things online in different books and things. I believe them to be true. If I'm wrong, you can come tell me after. Uh, But this is what I found. Our Earth is traveling around on its axis at a 1,000 miles per hour. It's amazing that we're not banging all around inside this building. A 1,000 miles per hour. It moves around the sun, so it's doing this, and it is moving around the sun. You know how fast... The world is moving around the sun? It's just a simple sixty seven thousand miles per hour. I mean, we could push it that fast, right? Every twenty-four hours the world doing a thousand miles an hour on its axis, sixty thousand thousand miles per hour, travels over fifty seven miles fifty seven million miles. That's crazy. That didn't happen because there was a bank. That happened because God created it. God made it. He spoke it and it happened. Now, consider the vastness of our universe. Uh, Brother uh, uh, Galar mentioned something about this. I, you know, I really appreciate the message, especially this part where he talks about when his wife was in the mall and he was looking at books. I do the same thing. When my wife goes to the mall, I go to the bookstore and I just look at the books. All right, so we got something in, uh, in common, Brother Gallard. And he was talking about the stars and universes. It's so vast that it takes a beam of light, which travels some 700 million miles per hour. As we would say in Newfoundland, that sure is fast, by. Okay. That's incredibly fast. That's 186,000 miles per second. That's fast. It takes it over 100,000 years to cover one length of our galaxy, the the, uh, Milky Way. Now, I I checked this out, and I don't know how these guys come up with these numbers, because once you start looking into all these situations of how many galaxies they think is out there, it's really mind-blowing. It's vast. It's not vast. It's way beyond vast. I I read this week a couple different sources. They think there is over, and this is a conservative estimate, they think there's over a 100 billion galaxies. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's amazing. So let's let's just do a little. And God created it, Amen. amen. It wasn't because of a bang. So let's just use uh, some illustrations here, okay? So this is the sun. We're going to use really small dimensions here, okay? So just kind of get us in mind. So this is the sun. It's green tonight. Ha ha ha! It's green tonight. <laughs> okay. So, this is the sun here. The earth would be a grand of sand towards where the Legaspis are sitting. Okay, maybe a little bit beyond that. Just, just a grain, not a bunch of grains, one grain, okay, if we're going to do it proportionally. Okay, then Pluto, the most remote planet from this sun, is another grain of sand circling down by the Dixie Auto Mall. Or uh, outlet mall, sorry. That's a long ways to walk. All right, that that just in that situation. And then the closest, uh, nearest star, Alpha Centauria, is the nearest star that's in this scenario, is thirteen hundred miles away, which would be Knoxville, Tennessee area. Our universe is vast. It's amazing. And God made it. And all we have to do is look up in the stars and see the hand of God. We don't need another sign. It's all around us. Consider the the marvel of the human body. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and and that my soul knows right well. You know, there's no two people in the world exactly alike. And aren't you glad for that? There's no two. And I'm not talking about personality. I'm talking about how they're made up in their DNA. Totally different. Every one of us. No two fingerprints are alike. Uh, my sister recently uh, did that uh, ancestry.ca, you know, swabbed your mouth, send it away. And they sent it back. I don't know how true all this stuff is. I mean, come on. I don't know. But she came back and said that she was... Herself, she was mostly Irish, which I can believe, just knowing our background. In Newfoundland. There's a lot of English. English. I don't know how to get English DNA, but anyway, it's in there. And you know, different other parts. Some Italian blood in there, brother Remo. So we're really distant cousins, okay? <laughs> and uh, and uh, we have a little bit of Native American blood in us because my great great grandmother, on my mother's side, was a full blooded Indian. My sister, as she was reading through all this, she said, she talked to the lady, I don't know, must be on the phone. I'm pretty sure there's no DNA office in St. John's, Newfoundland, but she talked to the lady and she said, well, would this be like my brother's? Because I was like, I don't want to pay a hundred bucks. If this is close, it's good enough for me. You know, I'm cheap. I got four kids, you know, type of thing. And uh, the lady said, no, everybody's different. Though you come from the same family, your brother's would be different than yours. And that's... We come from the same mom and dad, but everybody's different, just a little bit, and that just shows us the uniqueness that God has made us to be. Every one of the 7.5 uh, 7.5 trillion of cells in your body contains a general uh, genetic material to make another you. That's kind of crazy. Your DNA is unique. You're different from every other person who has ever lived. Don't tell me that happened by a bang. That was done by a God, a creator who thought it through and said, hey, this is my handiwork. Just like that. The fact is, there's other signs, many, many, many more proofs of God's existence. And to reject him and his word while you claim to be waiting for another sign is nothing more than rebellion. You see the sign and you say, no, I need another one. Well, you're just being rebellious. You don't want it. You don't want what's being talked about. If you're looking for a sign today, can I suggest you look to the cross? Look to the cross. That stands as an eternal sign of God's love for all lost sinners. But God commanded his love toward us and that while we were at sinners, Christ died for us. You're looking for a sign? Go find the tomb. It's empty. He's risen. He's not there. On the elf and the Omega, the beginning in end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. You know, if you need a sign, look at the Bible. You know how many attacks had survived by the enemies of God and it still stands and it clearly points us to salvation? It stands. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. In Acts 16, verse 31. If you're looking for a sign to prove the claims of the Bible, and of the, and of the Lord are real, just look around you. There's people here tonight who could testify of how the Lord changed them. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? Isn't that a wonderful sign? People have been changed by Jesus and their faith in Him and this, that should be proof positive that we can trust Jesus. Proof of who He is. The Pharisees didn't believe because they did not want to believe. Their request for a sign was a smokescreen. Even if Jesus had all the eight legions of angels appear and all the prophets of the Old Testament show up, they still would not have believed. They'd be like, oh, show us something else. Oh, whoa, show us something else. Oh, that could have just happened. What? Jesus feeding all those people just could happen? No. Jesus raising someone from the dead could just happen? No, it's because he's the Son of God. Those things don't spontaneously occur. They rejected him because he wasn't what they were expecting or what they were wanting. This evening, my question for you, I'm not done yet, but a question for you is what's your excuse if you haven't accepted him? Theirs is because they didn't want him. What's yours? What's yours? A somber statement in verse number 12. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily he is saying there is no, shall no sign be given unto this generation. Jesus hears their demands and he's grieved in his soul. I think he's definitely frustrated. I'll be honest, as a pastor, I've walked into situations, and, and not like the Pharisees that came after Jesus explaining, wanting more signs, but I've walked into rooms, and as soon as I walk in the room, it is just a bombardment. And it's like, whoa, what is going on? It's, this is not my fault, I'm here to help, and I just get bombarded, bombarded. And I have sighed in myself, like, well, how am I supposed to help? How can I help you? I don't understand, but this was even, this wasn't just because I couldn't help, this is because they didn't even want him. And he's frustrated, perhaps even a little angry. Why doth this generation seek after a sign? It was born out of amazement, I mean they, didn't you just hear that I fed 4,000? With a few fish and some bread? The generation had the greatest, that generation had the greatest signs of all in their midst. The Messiah was right there, standing in their midst. God and flesh working among them, and they couldn't even recognize it. They were looking for a heavenly sign when the heavenly Son had set up a shop right next to them. He was right there, standing in their midst. They missed it. Jesus said, He that has seen me have seen the Father. But these men looked at Jesus, and they didn't see the Father. They saw the devil. They said in Mark 3.22, he had bells above. And by the prince of the devils, the devils, He was. they were saying he was of the devil. That generation had all the signs, but they couldn't see the truth standing right in front of their face. That generation had all the signs, and they failed to say, see the truth. Now, uh, and it was sad, and it was horrible, and we need to understand there's two, two basic problems with signs. First, when a sign is given, another sign is desired, isn't it? If one is given, another one, because it's never enough. It's never enough. No matter what Jesus, they, they, these men would have said, another one for us to believe. Another one for us to believe. If Abraham, King David, or Solomon, or Moses, or Jacob, the parrot, they would say, said, I'll show us some more. Show us some more. He could have done all the wonders and signs in heaven, and they would still want not have received them. They said, "No, we want, we don't want some more." These people would never have been satisfied. They would never have been. These, then they're now they're living for the sensational. They want to see more. Second, signs don't save; faith does. Signs don't save; faith does. Jesus could have done all those signs and all a bunch of other ones imaginable. And that would not have saved a single soul unless that soul reached out to him in simple, childlike faith. It isn't the miracles that save souls. It's faith. And when faith touches the, the heart, the greatest miracle of all time takes place. You get saved. You know, it's trusting in Jesus, faith in him. That's the miracle. What he does, what he's done. Jesus is not in the sign business giving signs. That's not what he's doing. He, he's in the salvation business, amen. And we were encouraged this morning by Brother Galar's message to be ready to be doing. He's in the salvation business, and if you're expecting some uh, Damascus Road experience where a big bright light shines and oh, why? The Word of God's plain that He loves you. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus wants you to come to Him. He's desiring to come for you to come to Him by simple faith. The greatest sign, you know, has already taken place. Look at Calvary, see Jesus crucified. Look at the tomb, see He's resurrected. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. It's interesting the last part of that verse. There shall no sign be given unto this generation. Hmm. As I read this context, I've studied it this week and looked it over. And then the next verse, and he left. I believe that was the last words he spoke to those men. He just walked away. A sad departure. Number three, a sad departure. This is one of the saddest things recorded in the gospel. And he left them. He left them. There's nothing more to say. Nothing more to be done. They refused to believe. And the Lord left them to their choice. Your choice. If you've ever been, and if you are right now, sitting in a pew, and you know in your heart that you're not saved, or maybe you're doubting it, you need to heed that voice. You need to hear it. Don't bet your soul on the thought you always have tomorrow. Because you don't know. Boast not the self of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Today is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Second Corinthians 6.2 You know, people are going into a crisis eternity today because they refuse to turn from their sins and believe on Jesus Christ. People are going to Hell, because they love darkness rather than light. And people are willing to go into eternally separation from God because they want to do their own thing and not what God has laid out. If you don't come to Jesus Christ and believe on Him for salvation in this life, you will spend eternity apart from God in hell. I don't like talking about hell, but it's a reality, isn't it? The Word of God tells us to be, it's so. There is a hell, and there's a heaven, amen? And, but we need to be able to communicate that without Christ, that's your destiny. Without Christ, there is no hope of heaven. And today is the day of salvation. Don't put aside. Don't push away the grace. Don't say, I'll do another day. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. You know, we have... I know folks in this evening, and a lot of you here have family members who are lost, and you're praying for them, and you're searching, and you you, listen, don't stop. Don't get discouraged. And I know Satan comes alongside and says... Yeah, they don't care. Stop talking to them about it. You're wasting your time. Leave it alone. Just just let it be. Aren't you so glad that Satan's not in control? He's not. He is not in control. The Lord's in control. You keep spreading the message. You keep... Encouraging that last family member. And listen, it's not every time you get out the the Scriptures and you read through all the verses. Sometimes you just drop a little bit more water on that seed you're already planted. And you're telling them, hey, I love you. Hey, you stand as a sign because you've been changed by Jesus. Amen. Have that testimony. Have that witness to them. I'm so glad for verses like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that verse is for my uncles and aunts who are lost in sin, and cousins, brother-in-law. Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. For I say unto you that, that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he and him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. I'm going to keep praying for him. I'm going to keep witnessing. I'm going to keep encouraging them to know Jesus. Very, very, I say unto you that he that believeth on me have everlasting life. There are many signs. In life, and we go home today, we'll pass all kinds, multitudes of signs, won't we? Driving home. Let's make sure we're heeding the signs that we see in God's word. Don't ignore them. And I understand that this message really primarily is focused on those who don't know Christ, but we can definitely apply this to us Christians and we know signs and we're not following in our Christian life there's application for us there as well let's make sure that we're heeding what the lord has laid out for us because if we're if we don't we're headed to a tragic end not the end the lord would have for us he imagine a driver driving down a highway passing a sign that says uh, bridge is out ahead bridge is out ahead and he just keeps the hammer down pedal to the metal he gears that thing as far up as it can go and he keeps trucking be like that is so foolish. What is he? Does he have a death wish? No one would do something so foolish. You understand? There's a whole lot of people doing exactly just that this evening. The hammers down. They're living the way they want. They've been told about the bridge being out, but they're going to keep on, keeping on. Let's be faithful to tell them again, and again, and again. I don't know too many people, and if this is your case, praise the Lord, but I don't know too many people who got saved the very first time they heard the Word of God preached to them. Or heard the first witness they got saved. They took that and they absorbed it, they thought about it, and maybe sometimes they forgot about it and they have got back to it again to think about it. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Christian, I hope you're not speeding down the road of life just doing your own thing. I hope you'll get on board what the Lord has for your life. You're going to serve Him. You're going to do what's right. And don't plow into eternity. Don't plunge into eternity without Jesus Christ. And Christian, are we serving? Are we doing as we should be doing? We don't need any more signs. We have them. Jesus is real. Our God lives. Let's serve Him. Dear Jesus. Help us this evening. I know there's folks here have been praying a long time for family members to get saved. And that's their heart desire. Lord help us to continue being that witness. And maybe there's someone here this evening that they're doubting or not sure about their salvation. Well, I pray they get that taken care of today. Because today is a day of salvation. Lord, help us to serve You. We don't need any more signs. We need to follow You. I pray these things in Your holy and precious name. Amen.